Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hey friend, welcome to the show today. I am so glad you're here and listening in. And I want to start off by making sure that you are registered for our free mini parenting boot camp, how to communicate with your tweens and teens to build a strong relationship. That is this Thursday, February 9th at 12 noon central. And the replay for those of you that cannot come live will be available when you register. So all you need to do is go to momsoftweensandteens.com forward slash bootcamp and you can check it out there. We're going to be talking about communication and how to get through to your tweens and teens when they don't want to listen, when you try and talk to them and you end up getting in arguments and yelling, or they have lack of motivation, or you're getting pushback and disrespect. What do you do? Well, we're going to be talking all about that. And at the end, it's going to be from 12 to 1. And then at the end, about 1, I am going to be answering your questions personally. So I would love, love, love to connect with you. So I hope that you will join me. Momsoftweensandteens.com forward slash bootcamp. So let's dive into the show, and my special guest today is Kimball Lewis, and he is the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com, which is an amazing website, and he is dedicated to empowering parents with the tools to manage the most challenging behavioral problems. And he got involved in empowering parents when the founder, James Lehman, suddenly died. And he wanted to make sure that his message endured for future generations of parents that are struggling to manage the most challenging child behavioral problems. So in today's episode, we discuss setting limits and boundaries and how to enforce consequences with our tweens and teens. And it is such a good discussion. I think Setting limits and boundaries is one of the most difficult things that I find parents struggle with, and I just can't wait for you to hear. You're going to get some great nuggets and insights and wisdom into how to do this in a way that truly works. So let's 
dive in. Hi, Kimball. Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I am so happy to have you on the show and to have this opportunity to get to talk to you. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yes, for me too, because we are going to be talking about setting limits, setting boundaries, having consequences today, which is a huge challenge for parents with tweens and teens. I mean, it is one of the biggest areas that I hear from moms all the time, like help. I don't know how to set limits with my kid. They're, you know, have attitudes, disrespect, all kinds of um, things that they're struggling with. So this is going to be invaluable to our listeners. Um, But before we get started on that and dive in, I would love for you to share about yourself and your background, because your story is really interesting, how you started doing what you do and uh, yeah, what you're doing now. And yeah, I'll just give you the floor. Okay. So I'm Kimball Lewis and I am the CEO of empoweringparents.com and I've been with them since, since really 2016. And before that, my, my background, uh, uh, gosh, right out of, out of school, I, for the, my first six years of work, I worked for Think Tank in Washington, DC. And we did social policy research, um, foster care issues, child care issues, all sorts of stuff. So, and I also had done the big brother program in two different cities and stuff. So that was, that was a little bit of my background like that kind of academically got me interested in these topics. But then, but then after about six years of doing that, my, my life took a totally different direction. I ended up moving into uh, technology and I worked in healthcare technology, did a bunch of startups for about 15 years and really had a technology background. And that was, that was a big part of my career. Uh, in addition to having two, two boys, my wife and I have two boys. And then around 2016 or so, um, the the uh the owner of the of the of the company that distributed the total transformation program which was a child behavior program put together by this guy named James Lehman uh he came to me and said he was looking for a a CEO to run his company and his company had to make a turn and start distributing their stuff in a more technological way not as books and DVDs that you purchase you know by answering a radio ad but by using podcasts like we're doing here or, and, and the stuff needs to stream online. Like no one's going to have DVD players, you know, down the road. So they don't need now at the time they still did. We're like, Oh really? No DVD players. But anyway, so I had a technology background. Plus I had this other experience uh, in, in child issues and childcare issues and that type of stuff. So, so uh, I started helping him find a CEO and about six weeks into it, he turned to me and said, why don't you do it? <laughs> And, um, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, ah, I kind of kind of see myself as a technology technologist at this point. And uh, he goes, no, you could totally do it. Cause like, you're, you're talking about the programs and you've, and you've met James, you know, the program, he goes, I think, I think you could do it. And, um, and, uh, I don't know, I was, I was at a point in my life where I was ready for trying something different. And I would have, the way, the way, the way I ended up doing what I said to myself, I said to my wife too, I go, I would always wonder what would have happened if I tried this. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so I, so, so we, we did it. We, we just, we gave it a try and now it's that's six years into it. It's been incredible. It's, it's been, it's been awesome. And the, the thing that I like about it most is that most of my career, my customer client has been another business, like an insurance company or the federal government or whatever. 
they never write me emails telling me like how like thankful they were for all the work that we did and how helpful it was or whatever. We get that every day from the parents that we work with. We've helped so many parents with these programs who are struggling with a child that has that has behavior issues and it's not the parents' fault. They get they got a tough kid. Yeah. You know, you know when your kid's two or three, like, oh boy, this is gonna be a tough one. Yeah. You know, so and you might have had two that were relatively easy. So it's not, it's not your fault. Like you didn't do anything wrong. You just you just were were I'm gonna say you you were blessed with a kid <laughs> who's strong-willed and challenging and if and if directed in the right way is gonna take over the world, right? Like these yeah. are the kids that do awesome in the world, except that when you're parenting them, it's like really hard. And um, so anyway, so I get letter. I mean, we get letters all the time about like, this has been so helpful. I'm so glad I found you. I didn't know, you know, I was at my wits end with my kid and stuff. So I never had that professionally before. We never got that. So we have, we're direct to consumer. I've never worked having that as a, as, as our clients. And it's just, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. So, and it's been great to be able to, to, um, if your listeners don't know, James Lehman passed away several years ago, sort of at the height of his, I mean, he was, he was at the top in terms of parenting in, um, in 2010, when he suddenly passed away, and uh, and it's and it would, would have been a shame for his program and his ideas and the way he articulated them to 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 pass along with him. So, so we're we're doing our best to to continue to evangelize the work that James Lehman and the Total Transformation Program put together. So, and it's been a great journey. Yeah, I love empowering parents. I was telling you before we jumped on here when I first started Moms of Tweens and Teens, that was my go-to to look at your blog and all the amazing uh, articles you have. And you actually have coaches uh, as well. They were, you have the total transformation. There's, there's therapists and coaches that will work with parents as well. Correct. Exactly. So when you sign up, when you sign up for our program, they have the option of, of signing up for parent coaching and you'll be assigned to an individual coach and you'll have a phone call each week with them. You can trade messages with them. And it's, it's a great, you know, basically what they do is they, they help work you through the program. And we might talk about consequences later on. You'd mentioned that. So what they'll do is they'll sit down and, and, and they'll help put together a menu of consequences that you can use with your child for the particular situations that you're in things like the really practical stuff. Like how do you, what are you going to do the next time your child acts out? Because when the parents come to us, it's not the first time or the second time, it's the umpteenth time that they've done this. And our coaches know that. And what we do is we let the parent know, look, they've done it so many times. Now we put a plan together. We know how we're going to react the next time. And here's how we're going to react. And then and then the next time it inevitably happens, you do that. And then come back in the coaching afterwards. We talk through like, well, how did that work? You know, like, is it, you know, do we need to adjust something or do we, or we keep doing that each time and, and assess how the progress goes? And, and you really work through with someone, non-judgmental, worked with a lot of parents, knows the programs. Um, and it's just, it's also someone for the parents to talk to, because when you have a, when you have a child that has, you know, you're struggling with behavior issues, it's so hard to talk to family members and friends about it. I mean, if you're wow. lucky, you're lucky if you have that person, but there's like judgment and embarrassment. There's so much tied up in it that, that just having someone else to talk to is huge. It is huge. I find that as well. It's so much shame. And I think, especially when you have tweens and teens, it can really Moms feel like I don't have anybody to talk to. I'm worried, like you said, about being judged, uh, what they're going to think about me, or if it's going to get back to my kid, uh, if their kid will hear. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, there's um, such isolation and loneliness so that you're yeah. providing that and you're hearing from the parents. 
that makes your job so gratifying that you're keeping keeping his teaching alive and you know providing this for parents is yeah and one one of the words you one of the words you mentioned that really resonates with me is you said guilt there's a lot of guilt involved yeah and one of the things we first explained to the parents is that you're not responsible for your child's behavior your child is yes you don't have to be guilty about it your child's responsible for their behavior now it would it behooves everyone to react and 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 do effective more effective things and less ineffective things we talk about what those are mm-hmm. but but it's not your behavior it's your child's behavior and that's step 1 because when you put the accountability back on your child you remove the guilt from yourself and you put the accountability where it needs to be on your child and it also puts faith in your child when you have when you hold your child accountable yes you're saying to your child i have faith that you can learn how to behave appropriately if you take on the guilt yourself, you're saying, look, you can't, I, I, I've given up on you. It's not your fault. It's my fault. And, and, and at best, the child's going to manipulate you knowing that, but at worst, they're going to believe it. They're going to believe that the reason that they're, that they're messed up, the reason that they can't I behave know. well, that they can't function well is because they had a bad parent. And that's a horrible place to be for that child. They don't, they don't, they need to have agency and control over their own situation. They have to believe that. And the way you do that is by holding them accountable and holding them accountable is saying, I have faith in you that you can learn to do this. So I love that. Oh gosh, that's so good. It's uh because I think that our listeners, they, you know, as a parent, it's so easy to feel guilty and blame ourselves. I yeah. mean, moms are so good at that. Now, maybe dads are, I don't know if they do that as much, but we can definitely fall into that guilt pit. And then what happens is then we do get soft because we take it on we feel guilty, we blame ourselves. And like you said, then we're not helping our kids to take ownership and responsibility for their behavior. Then we don't set the limits because we feel guilty. It's just this vicious cycle that's so easy to get into. And when I read that you can talk about setting limits and boundaries and consequences, I was like, yes, because we, we need to be reminded not to take that on, to hold our kids accountable. And if we're not, we're not really believing that they can change, that they can do it. It it ends up, we're sending this message like, I really don't believe in you or that you can handle it. And uh, yeah, and it just uh, really stunts their growth. Yeah, that's, that's, you're exactly, exactly right. It says, it sends the message that you don't believe in them. And, and, and some parents are going to say, honestly, are going to say, I don't believe in them. Yes. And yes. And, and what we're going to say is you have to. Yeah. Don't yeah. underestimate them. You're probably underestimating them and you're not going to be around forever. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, yeah. they're not going to I mean, just the practical matter. You're not going to be around forever. Like, like it's, it, it's up to them to figure out how to get along without you or how yeah. to get along independently and how to, how to behave appropriately and all those things. So. And that's part of the reason why I like the coaching and support and, and, and podcasts like yourself, where, I mean, this is support for someone listening to this podcast is it gives you the encouragement and the strength to do those things for the person you love, your child, the person you care about, you'd give up anything for them. And, and to hold them accountable means that they're going to turn around they're going to say terrible things to you. And they're going to say they hate you. And they're going to, they're going to do all those things that are going to make you feel bad and it's going to look like it's painful, but you just have to know that this is the right thing for them, even if they hate you for it, even if they say they hate you for it. Yes. So that's a hard place to be, but, and that's a challenge. That's why this is not easy. Yeah, no, it's not easy. 
And I often tell uh, mom's story of my oldest is 32. So I started this when she was younger, but she was super strong-willed, my oldest. And like, she was a gift, even though because <laughs> it helped me grow. I would have never started Moms of Tweens and Teens without parenting yeah. her. But I would, I wrote this uh, this um, uh, blog post called Confessions of a Boundaryless Mom, because I was that mom. I was that mom that felt guilty. I would, I would be very punitive and punishing. Then I would cave in. I mean, it was this just bad cycle that I was in. And thankfully, I, I learned, I grew a lot. But when she was in her early 20s and her younger sister was in middle school at the time and she heard her talking, cry, she was like crying, please let me do this. And I was saying, no, she said to me on the phone, don't cave in like you did with me. me. And I was like, what? Like you were so strong will, like you were like riding a bucking Bronco and you're saying now you're telling me you wanted boundaries back then. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, but they want them just like you said. And yeah. she was screaming out for them, but everything in her behavior was I, to me was, you know, fighting against, but she really did want them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's launch into that. Why? So we touched a little bit. Why is it important that we have limits? Like, what do you, what do you see as one of the biggest mistakes that we believe that keeps us from that? We talked about the guilt that keeps us from setting limits with our kids. So I, I think a a big part of why, I mean, I think the world has limits. Right. You can't do whatever you want. The world has limits. You're always going to have an authority. You're always going to have a boss. You're going to, you're going to have a, a spouse. You're always going to be accountable to someone in the world. So you have to, you have to learn to live in a world where you're, you're accountable to someone. We're all accountable to someone. And as a child, you're accountable to the, your parents and the household. It's up to the parent to make sure that that accountability is held. So at a, at, at a basic level, the reason limits are important is because you're teaching your child how to handle limits so that when they go out into the real world where there are limits, they have the skills to, 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 to work within boundaries, to work within limits. And so, so, so that's one reason I get into, the, into that a little bit more, but there's another reason, which is it's your house. Like you have rules, you like, as a, as a parent, you get to make the rules in your house. Your child's not going to agree with all your rules. Your neighbors won't agree with all the rules. They might think you're too strict or not strict enough or or whatever, but it's your house. You get to make the rules. Someone has to get, someone has to make the rules in the house. I don't think your neighbor should be making rules in your house. And we recommend that the parent makes the rule, not the child. A lot of houses work the other way around. Mm -hmm. And if you fundamentally don't believe that it's your role to make the rules in the house, what we say, what we say to parents who come with us is, is we're probably not the right place for you. Yeah. Most of the parents coming to us, they want to make the rules. They're just not doing it effectively. They're not, they're not holding those boundaries effectively. But, but the, I think the main reason why I think, and I think intellectually, most people know that boundaries are important and need to have rules. I think the reason that they're not being set is that it's the child has figured out that when they fight and push back and argue that, that that's worse than having boundaries that are adhered to. 
So they, they, they wear you down through their arguing and their fighting in order for you to get rid of the rules and to get rid of the boundaries. And as a parent, so think about it, you're coming home from work and your child's supposed to do like, let's say they're supposed to do some chores or something and you're coming home from work and they don't, they haven't done the chores. It's, it's actually easier for you to do the chore yourself yeah. and absolve them of all the responsibilities than it is to fight with them again about getting them to do the chores. That takes a lot of energy. It takes mental energy. It takes, it just makes you feel bad. Your child gets angry at you. You feel guilty. That's actually easier than enforcing the boundaries or letting your child not have a curfew is easier than the fight. And, and you just hope, I hope everything turns out. Okay. No curfews. I hope, I hope they end up with a good crowd. I hope all this, you can hope all that. And that's a lot of times easier than setting the boundary and fighting with your child over it. Cause the fights are so painful. Yeah. So as a parent, we, we just, a lot of times we're, what we're doing is, is we're avoiding, we're avoiding the conflict by not by limiting the boundaries. And it's actually the child's technique. So James Lehman, we <laughs> talked about this earlier. James Lehman had that famous quote where he says, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. <laughs> so, so, so if you think, so that, that's the first time I heard him, I was driving home from work one, one day and he was on the radio, they used to advertise on the radio. And he said, you know, if, you, if you're headed home from work right now, and obviously it was like 530 at night. So they knew exactly when they, when they ran the radio, the radio ad for this. And, and you're expecting to get into a fight with your child. Just remember, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And, and, um, and what he points out in the program is that what's going on between the arguing is the arguing has become the child's problem solving skill. So the child has problems meeting responsibilities and they can either learn how to meet those responsibilities through like discipline and putting things off and like, like, you know, learning how we all learn how to become um, responsible adults. They can either learn it that way or they can, or they learn another way to solve their problem, which is that if they fight and scream and yell and be defiant, then their parent or whomever removes the responsibility from them and doesn't expect them to do it anymore. So they remove the responsibility of, of doing the chores or doing their homework. And a lot of parents have given up on trying to get their kids to do their homework or, or whatever, because the fight's not worth it to them. So the, wow. so, the, yeah. so the child, the child has made adhering to the rules, very expensive in terms of fights and other stuff. So that's, how, that's a big part of our program is that how do you deal with a child that is, that has figured out that, yeah. that, that they're going to control you through, through defiance and arguing and fighting. And once you realize that's what's going on, then, then you have, then, and you can see it. It's like, oh gosh, that's, that's what's going on. And, and they don't necessarily know they're doing this. They're doing it more out of like, oh, this works. So they do it as opposed to like, they thought, it's not like they thought really clearly through, but that's the dynamic of what's going on. And, and so you tell the parent when you point this out to them, like, oh, that's really what's going on. I see. And it makes it easier to do things like set a limit. And when the child argues and starts fighting about it, you disconnect. You disconnect, you turn around and you walk away, and then you hold them accountable for not having done it through, through effective consequences. So that, that's a big learning how to disconnect from a child that's dragging you down into a fight all the time is, is key to our program. Yeah, I agree. And I will tell the moms, of course, they're going to fight. You know, they're teenagers where they want that independence. They they want they don't want to be told no, or they want what they want. And and so expect that they're gonna to want to fight. And that seems to just really help diffuse a little of yeah. that fear around conflict because I think most of us hate conflict. And especially when your teenagers telling you they hate you and they don't like you and 
they can they can hook you that way just to know like okay I'm going to set this limit and they don't have to like it but they're I'm still going to hold them accountable. Yep. I know that really helped me to kind of get over that hurdle and kind of to make peace that they're not always going to like it like don't expect them to like it. And moms will often try to convince their kids they should like it or too much about why they're doing it. And then that gets into this huge power struggle because a teenager is not going to go, oh yeah, okay, mom. Yeah, I totally get that. Why you're telling me I can't go to that party or why I have to do my chores, you know? So, um, yeah, we have a, yeah. on, On our website, we have a very popular article. It's called, uh, Explain yourself once and move on. Yeah. <laughs> and I would agree. Like we, you know, you owe, like you owe your child an explanation as to why you have the rules, but explanation singular, you don't have to, you don't have to give the same explanation over and over and over again. There don't have to be 50 explanations. Just explain it once and move on. And maybe, maybe they'll understand. They may not understand. They may not understand until they're a parent. And and uh, it doesn't, it just, we tell parents, it doesn't matter. Just like explain yourself once and move on. And then, yeah. and then don't, don't be sucked into the arguments about it. You don't, it's not your job to make your child agree with the rules. Yeah. A lot of parents do that. They, they somehow think that if they can only argue their point just right, the child will finally understand and then, and then will obey the rules. And that's not true. They, yeah. they, they either, they, are, they, will, they either will never agree with you because they don't want to, or they're not capable of understanding why you have why you have these rules. Yeah. And, and you know, and we're not advocating the parents be like overly strict. We're, we, we point out to parents that you want your child to be independent. If your if your child is showing responsibility, give them more responsibility. Like you want to, you want to keep pushing that. So we're not, we're not telling parents that you, you know, be really strict and have a million rules. We're telling parents, let your child show that they're responsible. And as they show responsibility, you want to give them more and more independence. Like that's the, the goal is independence. Yeah. So, that's that's a good segue for talking about, okay, so uh, moms are listening right now and they're like, well, I don't even know where to start with setting the limits. And my kid, I'm walking on eggshells and it seems like they're the ones that rule the house and I get really angry and then we get in these power struggles and fights and where do I even begin? So what would you say to that mom that's listening? Uh, so what we normally do is when, so most, most parents coming to us have, there's a bunch of issues going on. It's, it's bad enough that, that they've gotten to the point where they're seeking help. They're coming to us. Uh, the first thing we say is let's, let's start, let's start with one behavior and focus on that one. Mm. See if we get that one under control. If you try to change everything all at once, it's just, it's going to be overwhelming for the child who, who is behaving this way because they don't have good problem solving skills t- to meet their responsibilities effectively the way you'd want them to their go-to problem-solving skills to act out. So it takes them a while to learn those new skills. So it's not going to happen overnight. So we say, pick, pick one behavior that's important to you. And we're going to, and we're going to work on getting that one improved. And and like, let's not worry about the other ones for the time being until you get that one under your belt. And then we can, and then we can move on from there. And then, and then we talk through like the behavior that we don't like. And then you need to clarify with your child what the rules are. We actually recommend in, a, in households where the child is having problems with this is you write the basic rules of the household down on the refrigerator so that you can point to them and say, the reason, the reason that you're being, you know, you're getting this consequence is because in this household, we don't swear at mom and dad. And that's, and 
it's on the refrigerator. That's the rule of this house. We don't swear at mom and dad. That's the rules. And, and the basic rules need to be spelled out. It actually cuts down on the arguing to have the basic rules of the household spelled out somewhere because then it becomes the conversation becomes very clearly about your child and the rules that they're violating, not between your child and you who are making up rules that you assume they know, or like, you know, what are the rules? It's, it's sort of the example that I've, that I give a lot of people is that police officers want speed limit signs because if it was up to their discretion as to who's speeding or not, every time they pull someone over and he says, I'm giving you a ticket for speeding, there's going to be an argument over what constitutes speeding. <laughs> right. <laughs> is yeah. speeding 50? Is it 60? Is it 30? Well, this is a straightaway. There were no cars. The, the, the police officer doesn't want to get into that argument. It's a, it's a pain. Like it's just difficult to deal with the, 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 the police officer wants to be able to point at that sign and say, speed limit 70, you were going 85. You got a ticket and a story and you can stop the conversation and, and walk away. That doesn't mean the child's going to agree with the speed limit being 70, but at least you have the limits defined and you can point to them as this like third party, this, this third thing. It doesn't feel like an arbitrary thing between two individuals. If there are no speed limit signs. It feels like it's always between you and that police officer as to like what the rules are going to be and whether you get a ticket or not. Having the speed limit sign says there's a limit. That's the limit. There it is. And, and even better is to have the consequences defined ahead of time mm-hmm. for the most part. Not, you don't always have to do that, but, mm-hmm. but knowing, mm-hmm. knowing at least in your own head, what the consequences are, um, but uh, but it's helpful to know what the consequences would be as well. So so writing the limit down is often very helpful for the, for parents in this situation. Seems a little it seems seems a little um, hokey. Like like the child <laughs> should know that swearing at mom is against the rules. Like, but it helps to delineate it, and it sends the message: we have rules in this household, and here they are. Like these are the basic rules. And it starts establishing that sense of authority that, that as the parent in the household, you are the legitimate authority of the household. You make the rules, you set the limits, and and actually here they are because you're having a problem with them. So I'm, I've spelled them out for you. So Yeah. I like that because it helps first for the parent to get clear. So a lot of times we're kind of all over the map. So we need to get clear first what those rules are going to be, what those values are going to be. And then for your kid to really be clear about it as well. Like you said, a lot of times we just assume and they're not clear. So I really like that. Um, And I also like thinking about, okay, so, so this is connected to a skill that they are lacking, that they're need something they're needing to learn. So when you think about effective, so you set the limits, the rules, you have those up, then what, what's step number two? So, so there's, there's two things around this, this, so one of the general concepts in the total transformation program, which is what we're preaching here is that the reason kids are acting out is that it's their, it's the way they solve their problems. It's, it's the way they solve handling anger and frustration. Instead of doing it effectively, they act out and hopefully whatever's causing them their anger and frustration will go away or it'll mm-hmm. end or mm-hmm. meeting responsibility. So they're, they're using it as a problem solving skill. So with consequences, when you, ha- when you apply consequences to those behaviors that affect, that truly affect them, those behaviors are no, no longer work for them because they come with consequences they don't like. So you want to make sure that those, those poor problem solving skills 
finishing chores by acting out in such a way that no one will assign you chores anymore. Mm, That's yeah. a problem solving skill. It's a terrible one. We don't want our kids growing up with this, with that skill. So, so you eliminate that as a problem solving by, by applying consequences so that it's, it doesn't work for them anymore. It doesn't get them out of it. Um, and then you need to follow up. You need to follow up on the consequences with coaching as an alternative behaviors, what they can do instead. So, so for example, anger and frustration, you can't eliminate that. That's a normal human feeling. We all get angry, angry. All get, I still get angry. I still get frustrated. As you grow and mature, you learn how to deal with your anger and frustrations. So, so we say anger and frustration are problems. How do you solve that problem? Some mm-hmm. kids act out. Some kids, when, when met with anger and frustration, say, F you, mom, and look at her right in the face and scream at her in the kitchen. That's not appropriate. So you want to make sure that that behavior is met with a consequence so that, so that, so that they're less likely to do it next time. Like it didn't solve the problem for them. Now they have, now they have another problem, the consequence, uh, but we want to off, offer them alternative problem solving skills. So, so when things are calm and things are quiet, we talk to them about what they can do when they're feeling frustrated. The next time you have the urge to, to, to swear at me, here's what you should do and said, say, say, mom, I can't talk about this anymore. And then go to your room and I'll understand. I'll just say, Hey, I'm, I'm about to explode. I'm going to go take a walk or well, let's not talk about this now. Take basically learn how to give yourself a timeout. Show your child that there's some effective things you can do to like, just lower the tension. And that works for yourself too. So it's so, or, or, if, or this happens a lot with siblings who are fighting. You know, we talk to them about the next time, the next time you're fighting with your sibling, or, or you have the urge to because they're frustrating you or, or they're antagonizing you. Here's what you can do instead. Now I want you to do that rather than hit your sibling because we don't hitting again. Look on the refrigerator. We don't hit in this household. There's no hitting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so when you get to the point where you want to hit your sister, here's what you do instead. Come get me. You know, let's talk about it. You know, go to the other room. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out afterwards, but don't hit your sister. Here's what you can do instead. So we're always looking for those alternative behaviors. Yeah, I like that because they're seeking out that behavior to solve a problem. Like they're they're trying to solve that problem, but the way that they're solving it is not effective. Yeah. And it's not going to work for them when they leave the when they leave your home and they're in a a marriage or they're yeah. in their job. It's not going to so it's teaching them those coping skills, those problem-solving skills. I really I really like that. And then but normalizing like, okay, it's, of course, you're going to feel angry and you're going to feel frustrated. But I find with teens even asking them, but what next time can you do instead? What can you, when you're feeling angry that rather than, you know, telling, you know, swearing at me, what can you do instead to be able to coach them? And maybe they're just angry and they need to say what they're angry about and talk to you, but instead they're swearing because they don't feel heard. They don't feel yeah. like they're understanding them. So that's good because that's really an important piece. It's just not laying down that consequence yeah. and being yeah. cumulative. It's teaching uh, them new behavior. Exactly. And I, and I would clarify that I wouldn't punish your child for getting angry. And I wouldn't punish your child for getting frustrated. That's counterproductive. It's it's what what you want to, and punish is not the right, that's not the word. Like we don't, we avoid punishes. We, we want consequences that, that have meaning. Like if you do this, this happens like it's, and it's a natural thing. And if you don't want this to happen, then don't do this. Like it's a, so, 
So we we have those in place so that so that they um they learn they learn what to do instead. Mm-hmm. And and we don't we don't want them a consequence for normal feeling and behave and and you know that anger and frustration is is just it's not quite right. It's only it's 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 what they do as a result of being angry that's that's the problem. Yes. So yeah, yeah. it's exactly yeah. And so teaching them healthier ways to deal with their emotions, not just dispersing right. feeling. Yeah. That's why they call it anger management and not anger elimination. You can't you yeah. can't eliminate yeah. anger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's okay to say that some of us, some like we all, we all have things that we're good at and not as good at. Some people don't handle frustration as well as other people. It's just like, you know, some people run faster than other people, some people, but that doesn't mean you can't get way better at it. And we need to teach our kids just because you're susceptible to, to getting frustrated easily. You can learn behavior. That's the thing is these behaviors are learnable. You can get much, much, much better at something that maybe you were you were just one of those kids that had frustration issues. You were born that way. Who knows? But you can get very good at it to the point where no one would even think that you had one of those. Like, like for me, like I'm shy. You might not know I'm shy. Shyness is like a feeling that in social situations or whatever, like I feel shy. Like, like it's hard for me to go like at a you know like a party where I don't know anyone or whatever, and I'm supposed to just start talking and, and meeting them or whatever. Like for me internally, like that's that's has always been kind of a problem. But it's it's a problem I've solved that no one who's ever met me in the last I don't know I'm, I'm 53, so so, <laughs> so maybe when you met me you know in my teens or or early 20s, you might have you might have said, oh, he seems like a shy guy or whatever. But I learned to solve the problem to the point that no one would ever describe me that way, even yeah. though I feel that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you probably still can walk into a party and be like, oh, but you've learned coping. I know how to cope with skills. that. Yes. I've gotten better at it. I've built up the skill around it. Yes, yeah. And the same thing can happen with anger and frustration and other stuff. There's some things I found easy in life and some things that I found really challenging in life. And the things that were challenging, I've, I've, I've learned that that through like self-help and other stuff. I was always a self-help junkie. That's part of the reason why I like, like this, because this is, <laughs> yeah. this is kind of under the category of like self-help uh-huh. is that, is that you can get bet You can, like, if you focus on this stuff, you can get way better at it. Like wow. you can get, you can become so much more effective as a parent by doing more of the effective stuff and less of the ineffective stuff. And, and likewise, your child, their behavior, their good behavior is learnable. Those skills are so learnable and we've had tremendous success with it. Um, you just, you just don't just, you have to get out of the mindset. Like this is just the way they are and they'll be this way forever. Exactly. It, they might have the tendency forever. You know, like I'm going to have this tendency of, of being like a guy who's shy forever, but it's like so solvable. Like I'm like, and I probably had, a, I probably had a fairly easy case for some people. It's, it's more challenging, but you hear about a lot of terrific public speakers who are terrified of public speaking. And they went through Toastmasters or they, or they do whatever they uh-huh. learned. They, they learned how to do it and, and, uh, and got good at it to the point where you would never think that they, that it's something they struggled with. They seem awesome at it. So it's the same with our kids and the same with us as parents. Yeah. I love uh, that because it's like, we're human, right? For, yeah. and as parents, it's not just, I'm going to fix my kid. It's like, I'm on this journey too. That and I'm working on myself too, and that we can learn, we can learn and practice and grow. And before we got on here, 
I was asking you, so what's the difference today from how you were parenting? You've owned, you've been CEO, what, for six and a half years? Have you yeah. seen a change in your relationship with your boys since Empowering Parents came into your life? I want, I want to say yes, but it's a comp, that's a complicated question because <laughs> I love, I love the honesty. <laughs> I want to say, oh yeah, it was, everything was horrible. And then boom, it was magic. This is like a magic pill. Yeah. Yeah. Sign up, sign up today. And like magic is going to happen and everything's going to be perfectly fine. It's, it's not, ongoing it's not, work. I know it is. We're all, we're all, we're all a work in progress, but you know what? There's effective things you do and ineffective things you can do. And, and there are, there are, we don't say that there's good parents or bad parents. We just say they're parents that are applying more effective skills and less effective skills. And, and I'd like to think that I'd like to take, so here's the other thing is I said, I said earlier, don't blame yourself for your child's behavior. It's your child. When your child gets frustrated and is standing in the middle of your kitchen and has the opportunity to either take a deep breath and like turn around or start screaming expletives at you. That was their decision to make. Yeah. That's their behavior. It's not, it's not your fault. That's their behavior. Likewise. I always tell this, like when someone, like, like if someone tells me, Oh, your kids are great or whatever. And, or I like to hear that. I want to hear that. But if they say, Oh, you're such a great father. I always like, just like, I don't want to take responsibility for their bad behaviors. I also want to be very careful not, not to take credit for their good behaviors. I want them to get credit for it. I go, I go, well, I don't know about, I don't know about me. I did my best, but, but my kids did, did well. My kids were, you know, they did it, not me. Yeah. It's like, I don't want, I don't want, I want to take credit for their good behavior and I want to blame them for their bad behavior. Everyone wants to do that. That's, (laughs) (laughs) but that's not fair. That's not, that's not fair. So they, if if they learn how to behave better and they learn the skills around all that, I want to give them the credit for it. I want to say, I want to be their cheerleader and say, you've done awesome. I want, I want to be like that coach. Now, maybe it was because of the coach. Maybe they would have done it anyway, but no matter what, I want them to believe. And I want to believe in my own head that it was them who did it because if it's them who did it, not just because I was there, then I know they can handle future problems down the road because they learned how to handle this problem and they learned how to figure it out. So so I want the accountability to be on them for whether it's good or whether it was bad or whatever. I want them. To, so that's kind of my, that's kind of the outlook. Yeah. Now you can say, well, if you have that outlook, you're going to have, you're going to have better outcomes. So you can, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit like what came first, the chicken or the egg. Like it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I keep saying if my kids are not behaving well, I want them to be accountable and have them try to figure it out. And if things are going well, I want them to reap the best. I want them to think that, that they've done something well and, and not have someone else take credit for that. So I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, no, no, it does. And I think that's such a good reminder um, to all of us, because I do think when we hear something good about our kids, we tend to want to take credit for that when they're not doing well we take credit for that as well. And then we yep. think we're failing and that gets in the way yeah. of, and, of holding them accountable. And it's, and, and, and yeah. you see it, you can feel, I don't know if people say this necessarily. I think it's more of a feeling, but when you see, when you see your, your supposedly perfect family on, on social media next door, posting about how awesome their kids are, you know, who are star athletes and go to Harvard or something. I don't know. Um, there's this, it's, there's a lot of pressure there. Like you feel like, Oh, like, I don't, I don't, I don't meet the standards of, of my neighbors in terms of how they are as parents. But I don't always look at it. Like you just like 
those kids are doing excellent. Excellent for those kids. Great, great job, kids. And get move, remove yourself and your parent from like being the person who that who is in charge of how your child turns out. They have a say in it, and it's ultimately it's them. And we want to, and and the effectiveness is just keeping the accountability on them. And it's it's always hard to you know you start comparing yourselves to other families and other parents on the basis of how your child behaves and their child behaves, but you don't necessarily have control over that. Yeah. You know I mean, every, every child's different. And, and I, I pointed out to parents that have three kids and one of them's, one of them's really hard. And the other two are easy. It's like, <laughs> what did you decide? Did you, did you parent the third one differently? Like what'd you do different? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. I'm the same person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just, you don't know. It's a, you don't know what you're going to, you don't know what you're going to get and you don't know. And you don't know why. And yeah. we're going to, we're going to have challenges um, coming our way from, from, you know, that, I don't know. Sometimes kids are challenging. Yeah. Well, and I think that uh, when we put too much pressure on ourselves for taking credit, then we put a lot of pressure on our kids to perform a certain way. And that's not each kid is unique and that's not what they what they need is for us, for them to perform in order for us to feel good as parents. Yeah. And there's a power start. There's a power situation going on here, which is that when your child understands that your mental well-being is dependent on what they do. Now they control your mental well-being. And not all kids are going to use that power for good. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? You've, put, you've put them in control of your mental well-being. Now, it may be true that your mental well-being has a lot to do with what your kids are doing, but you don't want you, you don't want to be in a situation where it's very explicit that, like, you know, what you do is 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 you know, how I feel and how I end up is all dependent on what you do. That's not, that's not fair to your child because it puts too much pressure on them, but it also gives them too much power if they're going to, they could manipulate that against you as well. So. Yeah. And a lot of times they're going to rebel against that. Yeah. 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 Well, um, let's talk about consequences and first, and we'll go into that. Um, but also, just can, can you briefly touch on what the difference between um, punishment is and consequences? Because I th- I hear that word a lot, and I kind of cringe now. Punishment, yeah. Um, because I think of that being more punitive. Can you talk about the difference? Yeah. So first of all, first of all, to a child, they may not be able to tell the difference. Um, but to a parent, you want to you want to you want to ask yourself is is what i'm doing punishment slash consequence for their behavior are they going to learn something from that that's that's going to help them Mm. so an example i would i would give is is um if your child is hitting his sister your son is hitting sister and the the consequence is you lose electronics until you can go three hours without having conflict with your sister the child learns self-discipline. They have to complete, they have to complete this task, which is they have to go three hours of 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 not acting out with their with their sibling. And at that, that's a way to like help teach um uh self-discipline. Or or if or if you're not meeting curfew, then then maybe maybe you get like you can't go out next weekend. But after that, you get to go out, but your curfew is set lower. And we'll see if you can come, if you can meet the curfew. And if and if you do that consistently, then we'll raise the curfew. So the punishment is that you bring the, the consequence, not the punishment. The consequence is that the curfew was set back. And then you see how they do with that. 
And a punishment, so, so you're hoping that they, they learn to practice appropriate behavior in order to meet the consequence. That's, that's the goal. Anyway, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's not as clear how you, how you're going to do that, but a punishment is more like, like the way I'm going to get you not to do this is that this is going to be so painful. So, so long-term, and I'll give you an example, long-term grounding is just a punishment. They don't, all they learn how to do through that. And James Lehman says this famously, he goes, he goes, a long-term punishment is only going to teach a child how to do time. And you don't want your child good at doing time. Mm-hmm. James Lehman did time. He did time in prison. And he goes, that's not a, you don't want to be good at that. That's not a skill you want. Learn, learning how to deal with your sister's frustrations for three hours is, is helpful. Learning, learning how to get your phone and all of your electric, electronic privileges back by completing your chores is a learning process. Now you've completed your chores. Now you can get those things back. Until you've completed them, nothing. You don't get it. So that's, that's a good, that's a good consequence is that you lose your, all your electronics until your chores are complete. And then you get it back. Yeah. And then, and then the second the chores are complete, you just get them back and then you don't have to moralize or anything. You go, hey, nice job. You get, you know, you see, you did your chores, you got it back and don't even think about it as a punishment or they just say, Hey, that's just a consequence. Kind of up to you. If you don't like, yeah. like, but you didn't, you don't have to like, you don't have to go beyond that and you should be happy to give it back to them. Because a they've 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 done the tasks they've done the thing that is going to allow them to get their electronics back they've learned how to do their chores like they've been through that process mm-hmm. and um, I don't mean learn like they don't know how to do their chores they've learned they've learned how to like like just do something they don't want to do that's that's the bigger problem like how do you learn to do something you don't want to do because you have responsibilities in life so so by getting their chores done they've they've done that and and you should be happy to give them their phone back it's almost you can it's almost like a reward at that point. And you want it back in their hands because when they don't do their chores next time, you want to be able to take it back. If you bankrupt yeah. your child, you have nothing left to take away and you don't want to deal with a child who's bankrupt because they have nothing to lose. And when you deal with people who have nothing to lose, you have problems. Yeah. So you never want to, you never want to get to an altercation with someone who has nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It's a bad place to be. So, so we think about consequences as a learning, a learning experience. So yeah. You know, and always, yeah. Always link them to something that they're going to learn from it. And then what I like is it becomes their chore, choice is, okay, you get your chores done, then you get your phone back. And if they choose not to do the chores, that's their choice. So they really can't blame you for that because, I mean, they might try, but it's like, no, this is your choice. If you want it back, you got to finish your chores, which I really, yeah, like. And the biggest, the biggest question we get from parents is my child doesn't care about consequences. and we. And, and that's, that's a great point. And, and we always, we always say, well, they probably tell you they don't care about the consequences, but if you, if you work with us and we develop consequences of consequence to your child, they'll, they will say they don't care. They'll pretend they don't care. They'll drag it out for a while to try to get you to eliminate the consequences because you now believe they don't care about those consequences. But if they are actual real consequences, then a lot of times, like let's stay the course let's stay the course. They'll come around. They'll find, they'll find that it's easier just to do their thing. Um, so, so very often when they say, I don't care about consequences, they do. They don't want you to think they care about consequences. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or it's a learning process for them. And, and it's not like you apply a consequence and boom, they've learned that now their behaviors like better forever. It takes, it takes a while of them, you know, for some people, one speeding ticket, they're never going to speed again. 
some people need to get, you know, five speeding tickets and a suspended license. And finally they're like, okay, now, like now they stop speeding. Cause it just, that wasn't worth it, but it takes, it takes a process for some people more than others. Yeah. Yeah, so. it, it does. It takes, it takes some time. Um, and, and just faith in the process, but it is, a, it is a process. Yep. And that's, and that's why it's helpful to work with someone because, because you can, you can, be a little bit thoughtful, like saying, does this, does this sound right? Are my consequences, are they, are they too easy? Is this, is this a good consequence? Um, do I just need to stay the course? Should we reassess what these are? Like, and it's, you have that back and forth and you try to be, you try to be thoughtful about it. Um, and, and somewhat disciplined about how you're going to go about it. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's so helpful to have support. It's, um, to somebody to bat things around with, come back, say, this isn't working, and really helpful. And to be able to talk about the frustration and the struggle and the challenge and, um, and work yeah, and we, skills. And yeah. we, we, and we work with parents about, you know, a big thing is, is remaining calm. Like yelling and screaming is not effective parenting. Yeah. And, um, James Lehman talks about that. He goes, if, if screaming worked, my job would be easy. I just, you know, you'd give me, you'd pay me and I'd see your child for 50 minutes a week and I'd scream at him and then problem solved. You know, it, it, go back home or, or, you know, if screaming worked and we wouldn't have no one would come to empowering parents because <laughs> screaming would have worked. Yeah, <laughs> It doesn't yeah. work. So it doesn't mean, I mean, we're all going to scream at some point. Like we can't, you know, we're, we're human and we're going to, you know, we're not perfect. Uh, but as long as you know, screaming doesn't work. Uh, what you want to do is, is have an approach that doesn't involve screaming and you're, and you're calmer about the whole thing. And you're doing, you're doing calm business, like consequences and, and disengaging when they try to, you know, yell and fight and, and drag you into a, into a power struggle. Uh, but, but part of the, part of the way you get to being more calm and under control and dealing with these situations is you go into the situations with a plan. And that's what you do when you work with our coaches and with other folks. Because again, I said, as I was saying earlier, it's not the first time or the second time this happened. This has happened, you know, 10, 20, 30 times you get a plan together. And then when you, when it happens again, now you're executing your plan and it's much easier to execute a plan without being, without flying off the handle. So it's yeah. the same way with like, you know, first responders, like practice all of the things they're going to do so that when, you know, some disaster happens, they're not, they're not panicking. You know what I mean? They know what they're supposed to do. Everyone knows where they're supposed to go. They know whatever. It's the same thing with, with dealing with a, with a difficult, the difficult child is, is you have a plan ahead of time as to what you're going to do. And then when that thing inevitably happens, then you put the plan into place. Yeah. Such a better place to be, be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Really good. Well, Kimball, I have loved this time with you and tell people where to find you empowering parents, your program. Um, yeah. Why don't you share? And then I'll share all the links as well. Okay. So, so we are at the best place to find us is to go to empoweringparents.com. And we have hundreds of free articles there. And my suggestion is that you sign up for our newsletter and you'll get, you'll get two or three emails a week with a highlighting one of our articles. Uh, and then also either, either in those emails or from the site, you can, you can learn how to sign up for the total transformation program and it, it streams online. You can, you can sign up and begin the program immediately. And you can also sign up today and have a coaching call uh, tomorrow with one of our coaches. So it's, it's, it's that easy to, to, to find support through that. So empoweringparents.com 
Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can go to Empowering Parents. If you just search Empowering Parents, you'll find us there. But empoweringparents.com is the best place to, to get in touch with us. Yeah, fantastic uh, website program. Um, super happy that you are CEO, that you kept empowering parents alive and that you're helping thousands of parents. I really appreciate you and what you do. So thank thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And did you sign up yet for the parent boot camp this Thursday at 12 noon central? I hope you did. And if you did not, Go to momsoftweensandteens.com forward slash bootcamp and get signed up there. It's going to be such a great workshop. It's free. I cannot wait. And it's going to be all around communication and how to communicate in order to build a healthier, stronger relationship with our tweens and teens. We all want that, don't we? So sign up. I cannot wait to connect with you. And if you can't come live, you will get the replay. Well, I will see you back here next week with Rachel Stafford. And if you don't know her, she is the hands-free mama. She has a new book coming out, Soul Shift. So it's going to be a great interview and I can't wait for you to hear. So can't wait to connect with you. And if you need anything, reach out to me at Cheryl at momsoftweensandteens.com. I am here for you. So have a great week and I will see you back here next time.